0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome cough. back to the... <laughs> Nick, there's no way to start the show, attacking me unprovoked like that. I coughed. Can't even get a, you get read a into- word in.
1: <laughs> if, you, if, you read it, if you read into my cough on the yeah. subconscious level, that's on you, buddy, not me.
0: That was my, like my dad's thing, like when I was a kid all the time, he'd do the, the bullshit cough. Like as soon as someone said something, he didn't quite agree, was like, oh, shit. Like that, and I just, that was in, ingrained in my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you, mate, apart from your cough? Uh,
1: <laughs> excited to have uh, another Nick on the show. So two Nicks are better than one. And, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. go. Nick,
0: Nico, and Nick. That'll help me kind of yeah. Um, yeah. distinguish. So we do have a wonderful guest on. We have Nick Brax, author, actor. What else, Dick? Mental health advocate. Under- underwear person. Underwear model. Just any more, Nick, or not?
2: Uh I don't know. I'll, I'll try and think of a few more while we're talking. You know, a few more <laughs> labels I can slap on myself. Uh, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Uh, we do. We do you you,
1: you <laughs> learn pretty quick, Nick. That we do very limited research on the show. We like to keep it organic. Um, we're not lazy. We we really like to keep it organic. Uh, <laughs> but I did. I agree. Five, I agree. I I did do three and a half minutes of research a couple of weeks ago when I thought you were coming on the show, uh, right. and your your Wikipedia page said uh, all these things and then um and his own underwear range and I'm like, right, this will this will be interesting. What are we what have we got going on here? So where do you want to start? You've got all these things going on, all these bowls in the air or not in the air, because they're supported <laughs> by your underwear. Well played. So um <laughs>
0: <laughs> well played. Well, well they, go for it mate. We'll give you that one mate.
2: But yeah they, they go perfectly hand in hand, don't they? Mental health and underwear. You know that's like just it's meant to be. But no, the underwear is a, a long, long time ago. That was like 11, 12 years ago. I uh, am not running the underwear label anymore and not posing in underwear anymore, which I'm very happy, you know, saving people from the um, discomfort of seeing that, you know, I'm not not quite in the shape I was back then. So very happy to hang up the <laughs> underwear modelling I've hung up the dancing. I've hung up all these bloody things. Um, I'm just doing mental health. i have even having a break from acting. So <laughs> trying to maintain my own mental health and helping mental health is basically what I'm doing at the moment. But um, yeah, just to give you a quick sort of overview of what I'm actually doing. I'm in New York. I won a green card a while back. I was back in Australia for the pandemic living in uh, Vancouver before that moved to New York to set up the green card and bring some of the work over here. And um, I've just launched a book and, Uh, With my company, Move Your Mind, it's basically about education and using different media platforms to to do that from creating programs and doing talks and having the podcast and the book and, you know, another project we're working on. So it's all sort of, you know, that's keeping me more than busy enough. uh, And that's what I'm doing right now. Maybe just a little bit of backstory, Nick, like
0: why mental health, like some people listening in Australia may or may not have have heard of you, some haven't, but, um, you know, why mental health? Why this field? Why are you so passionate? Why are you writing books and putting all this education out there to help people with their mental health?
2: Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, similar to your story, Ryan, it's uh, I I fell into it really from uh, personal experience. And I'm not I'm not from a psychology background. And I didn't actually plan on getting into the mental health work. But I Uh, As far back as I can remember as a kid, I had issues with OCD, overthinking, anxiety, compulsive behavior, and that manifested in a whole range of areas and most most prominently in wanting to uh, be a professional athlete, originally wanting to play AFL, uh, training at a crazy level, becoming so fit through that that I started winning all of the middle distance running races, then decided that I wanted to channel it all into that And that very quickly became a complete obsession or an addiction, actually, where I was as an 11-year-old kid training six, seven hours a day, you know, doing crazy things, hiding it from my parents, getting up and at two in the morning sometimes and hiding bricks under my bed and doing, you know, all these crazy exercises. And, you know, looking back, it didn't make sense. And the reason I was doing it because my mind was just going at a million miles an hour and I didn't know how to process it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to talk about it or understand this area. So I had these, these crazy behaviours coming about. Um, and as I got older, that got fueled because I grew up with a well-known father. He um, was the Premier of Victoria from when I was uh, 12 till my early 20s. And I was trying to prove myself and I was looking at how do I do something on an extreme level to, you know, prove that I'm enough as well. I'm not just, you know, the son of this person, as I was referred to for, you know, those years, the 10 years of my life. And uh, basically, by the time I finished at school, I had social issues hadn't developed because I'd isolated myself I had uh, insecurity issues and my body had broken down and I just became lost had no self-esteem uh, dropped out of university started drinking and that became a severe coping mechanism where I'd be drinking sort of four or five nights a week to a completely self-destructive level getting in life-threatening situations on a weekly basis a lot of the time and um, I mean there was I won't go into all of the incidents because there's too many but you know the, the main one I'd been out with a group of friends and I had my best friend in the back of the car and ended up uh, wrapping a car around a tree, almost killing the two of us. Both of us, yeah, were very lucky to survive it. Um, but we did and, you know, there's no long-term damage from it. But it was sort of the, one of the catalysts and it went on for a long time. But eventually when I started working through it, I was uh, modelling at the time and then on a reality show and wanted to help in the area and started using my voice to talk about my story. And that really was where it started. And I just saw it very early on, all I did was... At the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing, but I'd go to a school and just be vulnerable and talk about what I went through. And every single time I'd have teachers, you know, emailing me, I'd be hearing from kids saying they wouldn't have got the help if they didn't hear that. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, we need to talk about this. And this is helping me as well by talking about it, which I always talk about, you know, being uh, selfish in your view as well, that I, it makes me feel good to try and feel like I'm helping in some area and talk about it. And if that helps people as well, that's, that's, that's great, you know, looking at it both ways. So it's sort of, that was where it began and it evolved to, uh, you know, what I'm doing now. So I'm trying to give you without rambling on for too long, a bit of an abbreviated uh, version of the story, because it would take me probably all, all the, the, the entire, you know, hour we have here to tell you properly. But anyway, that's the, that's the quick overview of it.
1: Oh, it's good, but I'm just—I'm struggling to find the link between, you know, your childhood and why you got into mental health. It seems like growing up in Ballarat to me—that's just a, a pretty normal sort of childhood. No, I do take the piss. It's—it's—it um, that, sounds like an epic journey and an epic story and an all-too-familiar one, you know. So so many people would be able to relate to that and and to some part of that at least uh and and, you know the racing mind the the not being in control of the thoughts the acting recklessly all that sort of behavior um so it's great that you've honored that journey uh and and honoring everyone else that's sort of going through a similar one and coming to this space and and trying to you know same with pass and myself um you know trying to learn from our past and 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 take the lessons and pass them on to other people. so thank you and, and congrats on being able to achieve that.
2: I yeah, appreciate it but you know I think and you know like like you're saying there like it's um it's a relatable thing and you know my my story isn't unique. Uh, I mean the circumstances are probably a bit more extreme than a lot of people, you know, growing up how I did and, you know, being in the media and having all of those different things happen, but the core themes in it are universal, you know, people having mm. um, feeling like they're in the shadow of someone and questioning yourself and self-esteem issues and alcohol abuse and all those I? sort of things. So who am I? So it's like, um, I, I just, you know, like you guys, I think it's one of the most, if not the most powerful thing we can do just to to lead by example, be open, show vulnerability, especially as men, show vulnerability and share stories. You know, it's like, It goes such a long way. And it's it's a simple thing, but it's also a hard thing to do. Uh, And if you haven't done it, it, it's difficult. And I often forget that, you know, 10 years ago, I found it really confronting and I've been doing it for so long now. I forget that if you haven't, you know, confronted those things, it's really tough. But it is something that when you do share stories, it just helps so many people.
0: It's like a muscle, isn't it? That vulnerability. And um, it's something that comes up in the show quite a bit. And yeah, early on when we haven't kind of exercised that muscle, it is so daunting. It is so confronting. We're so worried about people judging us or criticising us because if we lay ourselves open and bare, that's when criticism hurts the most. But when we are vulnerable... You need to find,
1: you need to find that. You need to find a balance though, Hass, because you know, a lot of people with lived experience that haven't healed, they go to the other end of that vulnerability spectrum and are just too out there with all their stuff and they, they sort of force it onto people and you know they become advocates but to an unhealthy degree and it's, oh, but you have to do this and you should do this and there's this real um intense behind what they're doing, but it's it's almost not to an aggressive point, but it's it's
0: it's, it's got a compulsive yeah. feel to it though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I've definitely seen that but like that healthy expression is so important because like you said Nick early on when you started just to be vulnerable and go you know maybe this will help one person I'm not sure and then you get all of that positive feedback from the teachers and everything saying yes it helped so many of the kids because when we're vulnerable authentically it gives other people permission to do the same. And um but like I said it's that muscle and, and me and Nico talk about this a bit and like like you were saying, like we'll talk with someone, not knowing that we're even someone goes, oh, that was really vulnerable. I'm like, oh, was it? (laughs) I was just talking, you know, because that vulnerability muscle has been built up, you know, over many, many years. And the other thing that jumped out for me when you were talking as well, one thing that we've brought up on the show, Nico, I'd like to get your thoughts. We've spoken about even exercise becoming this compulsive activity and something we can have a poor relationship with. And, you know, hiding bricks under the bed, waking up at 2, 2 a.m. doing curls. I think it's just a wonderful example for the listeners of, of a theme that we've spoken about in the past.
1: Well, I had the same thing. I was... I, I was- in the army Nick um many many moons ago and I used to represent the army in the defense force games in running um I was hyper fit and beep tests of 16 and all that sort of stuff and it was yeah I realized I was so codependent on running so when i bloomed out in the army and I could no longer run. That had it. There was that physical trauma, but there was this deep underlying trauma as well. When I could no longer rely on my coping mechanism, it was it wasn't there. It made me happy, and there was a great outsourcing of happiness. And so many people fall into these coping mechanisms, but uh, and the traditional ones are, are considered to be unhealthy. You know, drugs, alcohol, gambling, food addiction, whatever. But a lot of people form unhealthy relationships with things that are considered to be healthy and i was talking to a client just yesterday she goes oh i realized i was drinking too much coffee and now i'm drinking green tea i'm like how much are you drinking she's like what do you mean i'm drinking green tea it's healthy i'm like yeah but how much and she's like oh well you know four or five a day i'm like well, what's a healthy amount for your body to drink she's like, oh, i don't know and she googled it like oh two and I'm like, okay, so green tea is considered healthy, but it's an unhealthy relationship. We've gone past you know, that, that point on the spectrum. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear an 11 year old, you know, hiding bricks under the bed and, and having that, that unhealthiness. But do, do you understand now looking back, you know, like do you look at that version of yourself with compassion, Nick, and, and do you understand where where all of that was coming from?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look back and you know feel for for that kid, and um, it's a big part of why I'm doing the work I'm doing as well. Because you know you um you you don't get that education as a young kid, and if if we did have this stuff sort of more widely taught and embedded into schooling, it probably would prevent a lot of things. But it is it's exactly what you said. It's that if you've got a tendency for that compulsive behaviour, it's a difficult thing to manage and. I mean, I find it hard to this day. Like I, I want to do everything I do. I naturally want to do it on an extreme level uh, because, it, you know, it feels good or you just you want it, but you know that it's not healthy. So, so it's um about constantly maintaining that self-awareness and bringing yourself back into line and looking at, you know, and I think being accountable as well and having people around you that can, you know, keep you aware, keep you sort of in line helps as well. That's so, so finding a
1: balance, find that balance on a daily basis for you. And uh, I've, I've got a, we've got a quote, we use it mind fit and it's just because I can, it doesn't mean I should. And so yeah. that just keeps in mind. All right. I can go for, a, you know, three or four runs a day, but, uh, but, but I, I don't need to, I shouldn't. And has I'd like to get your, your insight on, on, you know, people talk about I've got an addictive personality or I'm an all or nothing person. Have you, have you got much, insight into, into, is there such thing as an addictive personality or is that a bit of a myth?
0: No, uh, well, <laughs> there is an addictive personality, but then where does that addictive personality come from and where is that formed? So I think when people say I have an addictive personality, it's like I was born with it and I have it mm. and I will have it forever. So it's very fixed, mm. very deterministic. Um, whereas I would say an addictive personality is is wired into our nervous system due to circumstances early in life. Um, Now, just because our nervous system adapts in a certain way, um, it can be adapted to be too sympathetically charged or activated, or adapted to be more shutdown or freeze response without getting too technical. And so addiction or addictive personalities happen when we're stuck in one of those two states or bouncing through the two. So we use external means to try and regulate a dysregulated nervous system. Now, the beauty of us human beings, we can always change. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't have a job. Everyone who had mental health issues would be fucked forever, right? So we can, you know, change the shape of our brain, at neuroplasticity. We can rewire our nervous system. So, to anyone who thinks I have an addictive personality, I like to say, "Well, let's work out where that came from and how we can readapt to, to a different way of living." And
1: it's important to not, to, to not identify as that person anymore, isn't it, Nick? I'd Ooh, love your, yeah. all, your thoughts on this. Have, have you, do you still see yourself as that person and identify as how you were back then, or have you updated your belief system about yourself and, and see yourself through a different lens these days?
2: Um, yeah, I definitely updated the belief system for sure and uh, you know it's been through years of questioning things and having to confront things and all that sort of thing so I mean it took a lot of work but it it's hard to manage because you know you, you have that core system but then on a daily basis it's so you're having to constantly bring yourself back into line because you're you know we're exposed to so many different bits of information and um, you think you people are asking you certain questions and you're you know, it, it's a difficult thing to keep that balance. But I try and remind myself that all the time about, you know, I I, I looked a long time ago at I'm going to base every day on, you know, what's really meaningful to me? What do I value? What's my purpose of, you know, what I'm trying to do? And if that's not based on results, it's sort of a, a calm, a healthy feeling. But as soon as you're basing these external things on, I'm defined by whatever it is, or I need to achieve x to feel like i'm enough then you get this yuck feeling in your gut and you know that's you know not the right thing and you know that when you get there you're going to just want more and it's that addiction thing so it's like the the simple way i you know diffuse that is just reminding myself hang on what's the reason i'm doing it if every day if i'm just trying to make you know do something in the mental health realm to help it might be one tiny thing but i'm still moving towards you know that that cause and things externally might not be going amazingly well for me but as long as I'm doing something in line with that, that, that real mission that I care about, then that keeps you grounded. It's when you get caught up in all the other noise that you start to you know, lose control of things and a lot of that addictive behavior comes out. So Sweet. it's
1: really an, an active an, a, a pr- mindfulness practice for you on a daily basis, isn't it? What Mindfulness of, of where am I right now and what am I doing right now just in, and just sort of monitoring yourself in that space each day.
2: Yeah yeah definitely it is it's sort of having that awareness checking in with yourself making sure that you know you're not um, you're not sort of obsessing about certain things or that you're staying on track with you know what you really want Uh, and yeah like I said I think for anyone you know we live in a pretty crazy world now it's really hard to keep yourself grounded and stay in tune with you know who you really are unless you are conscious about it because we you know, you wake up and um, you open your phone and you're exposed to so much noise from that moment you get out of bed, if you allow yourself to be, that it can, you know, take your mind in 5,000 different directions, you know, before you have a cup of coffee in the morning.
0: So true. You jump on that hamster wheel straight away and then spend the whole day on there <laughs> and uh, until yeah. the end, you know, but it's really a check-in. It's really a check-in with your intent, isn't it? It's like checking in, but taking that moment to step off the wheel and go, hang on, is my intent right now in alignment with my core values? Yeah. yeah really, really yeah. beautiful.
1: And it's a it's a it's a line in the conscious and the subconscious mind. It's like consciously I'd like to be just moving mind through throughout the day. But subconsciously, if it's a different kettle of fish, it's like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. Then it's going to be that misalignment is going to create so much conflict and it's going to be really difficult and really challenging to self-manage and self-regulate. So as you said earlier, oh. doing the work, doing the work is so important.
2: Absolutely. And it's hard. And, you know, like um, I try and be honest about this stuff. And if I am honest, you know, right now I'm going through a period where I'm really struggling and I'm aware of it but I'm getting caught up in so many things and I'm like overcommitted right now. I'm in New York. It's expensive. I'm renting a place that's, you know, costing me an arm and a leg. I'm launching this book between Australia and over here and I've got a publishing company expecting me to do, you know, 10 times the output of what I'm capable of. I've got the business I'm trying to run. I've got a new project I'm doing and I'm trying to like, you know, it, it actually is getting to a point where I'm like, I need to take a step back from things and simplify because I've been getting back to that point of being overwhelmed. Uh, And I think it's important to talk about that because, you know, I'm an advocate for this. I, you know, I do work in the area and I've been, I've been on this journey for a long time and I have things I do to, you know, look after myself, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to continually, you know, have go fluctuate, but which I think, you know, I think that's life, but it's how you deal with that and how you sort of, you know, not allowing that to derail you and, you know, being aware of it again, having that mindfulness about it
1: that's so relatable for i know a lot of my clients because we talk constantly there's this constant narrative in MindFit about um you know we all have this i don't know your thoughts on this aspect, but we i use a lot of buddhist philosophy nick and so we we tend to think we have a everyone is a buddha we have a, a an, an inherent buddha nature we are just love you know and then on top of that nature we have our human nature and then on top of that nature, we have our individual nature as well. So uh, we, we have these tendencies. And if if we have an aversion to who we are, if we don't like who we are, or how our mind's working, we sort of reject it or, or hold it at bay, then it's very difficult to... Um, to to train it or develop it or do anything different with it so when we can learn to love ourselves unconditionally and all our tendencies and be mindful of my tendency you know I, i'm too caring at times i'm too giving so i have to really check myself on that level and that department and go oh right have i filled my cup today Did have i looked after myself because i tend to prioritize everyone else um so that that self-love and that self-acceptance and, and but I think what I'm hearing with you is uh, realizing that those tendencies are always going to be there you know that that's that's just your nature and you have these tendencies and they're not good or bad they're not right or wrong they're just part of who Nick Brax is and, and they're amazing but when they're sort of kept in balance
2: I you know I love what you said there and I've, I've got one, one of my mentors um, that I check in with occasionally he's incredibly successful and sort of does a million different things. He's worth about I don't know three four hundred million dollars. Does all philanthropy work a whole lot of crazy stuff. And he, I was sort of talking to him about a lot of that stuff. And he said to me, from when he was twenty years old and he didn't have a dollar in his pocket to where he is right now, uh, he doesn't feel any different on the day to day basis. Like he still gets that same overwhelm, that same drive of I need to do more. What's next? My mind, the mind churning. And he said, you know, a while back he realized. Well, um, that's not going to go away, so it's okay. Uh, and you know, whatever I achieve or do isn't going to make that go away. This thing, there's no solution to this thing apart from me acknowledging it. And when it comes up, just reminding myself, oh, my mind's doing that thing again. It's okay. That's not mm-hmm. the solution. It never will be. And then you go back. And so it is. It's like continual thing. And you know, everyone's got a bit of that. I think some people have it maybe on more of an extreme level, but it again is not looking for this. You know. Um, silver sort of bullet solution it's like we, we we there is no such thing it's about every moment or every day just checking in and reminding yourself it's okay there's no you know no sort of future thing or magical solution to this i've just got to remind myself about what's important to me and you know how to find that balance and it gets We're a all little bit up more. to some degree. It's just yeah. keeping
1: it to, to less of a degree. <laughs> but also, it's an important go, yeah. point
0: that you made as well. Not fighting that, you know, fucked upness. It's like because we, we spend yeah. time fighting that, which is going to actually enhance it and magnify it. Where we can just sort of see it. Yeah, we see it. Okay, I see what you're doing there. You know, that part of Ryan or Nick or, or whatever it is, and, and then we move on. But what, what you're saying made me identify yeah. with a couple of years ago. Because this is where I get the work and get kind of core more nuanced. Um, as we go down the path. And I had a similar thing. Like I, we had the center, um, you know, looking after staff, all the clientele had a newborn baby at home. So I was kind of like, you're checking my intent. And I'm like, hey, I'm living my purpose here. You know, I wanted to be a dad. That's my purpose but This, you know, making an impact in the mental health and addiction world. So I was living my purpose. But at the same time, I was, I was pulling myself in. I was just pulled in all these directions and I was burning out. And so this is where we can get in trouble because like part of us will go, no, but you're on your path and your mission. This is what you said you wanted to do all those years ago. And then we keep going, but it's actually to our detriment if we run ourselves into the ground and and we're pulled in too many directions and burn out. So sometimes it's making that hard decision to really pull back, which might be the the, the period of life you're in now, Nick, where we just have to simplify, even though we want to say yes to everything, because in the long run, you know, us, maintaining our energy is what's going to be best for that mission at the end of the day.
2: Absolutely. No, I think it's, yeah, it, and, it, and it is. It's very much a process, I mean, now of refining things and, you know, I'm cl- very clear on that at least, but uh, it, it, it's like you're saying, you know, you can, even if you do, that can become, you know, compulsive and and then, you know, it's it, it sort of uh, it, it the same problem comes up. So it's just, it's again, yeah, just being aware of it, isn't it? absolutely I'm very, I'm very
1: thankful that after after my metanoia has i um i learned something really important which is i can't help others if i'm not okay myself and so that that became the first fundamental in the mind program is looking after your mental physical and nutritional health you know, keeping it all in balance and, and in good shape and Something for me is just really simple is as soon as I start hearing I have to in my internal narrative, that's a red flag for me. You know, I have to do this, I have to do that, because that's that it's 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 not a um energy that gets a healthy return on that investment. So it's okay. I don't have to there's so much I can do, but I don't have to do it all. You know, and so right. What what do I need to do right now? What is required? of me? what what is within my energetic bounds to to achieve today, and or my time constraints today? What 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 can I do? Not what do I have to do? Because that that sends me way out of balance. Or well, what do I get to do? What do I get to do today?
0: Yeah, it's what do I, yeah, it's an opportunity. Energy
1: behind it. I, I found this quote the other day, and it relates to this. And it's from our, our old mate Ram Das has and right I'd enough. love to get your 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 thoughts on this Nick and then and then you has so he said a lot of people try to counteract the I am not good enough with I am good enough in other words they take the opposite and they try to invest it uh that still keeps the world at the level of polarities so the art is to go behind the polarities so that the act is not to go into the world of I am good to counteract I am bad or I am lovable as opposed to I am unlovable but go behind it to I am and I am includes the fact that I do crappy things and I do beautiful things and I am that includes everything and I am so I just I, I, I found that was really beautifully put because we can get so you know, changing our beliefs It's, oh, I, I am an addict too. I am not an addict." You know, there, there's a polarity in play there. Or "I am manic. or I am not manic." And trying to convince ourselves and fake it to we make it, or whatever. So, th- does that resonate with you guys at all? Nick, you oh, go first.
2: Yeah, Matt. No, sure. Yeah, um, no, massively does. I think it's. I, I love that what you read out there, and it's um, a great reminder. Just hearing it, hearing it then, but because I, I think if you if it is if it becomes this black and white thing of I'm a good person or I'm a bad person or I'm, I'm this or I'm that it's it's black and white thinking and it's that same thinking as I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose and I'm going to you know looking at life in this black and white way which a lot of uh, us have been conditioned to do but it doesn't it doesn't really work in the long term so I think it's a great reminder of that's not what life's about it's about it's about the experience it's about what you personally can overcome. It's about what, you know, you can deal with on that day. And it's that the, the you know, the gray in between, it's not the sort of black and white. And, um, that we have the whole thinking. spectrum,
1: aren't we? We're the whole color spectrum. This is black, that's white. And there's all these colors in between and we are all of that.
2: Oh, massively. And I think um, when I chatted with you, Ryan, I was telling you about, you know, living in New York, I'm exposed to so much of, um, you know, you're in the center of all the money-making and, chaos and i've just met so many people where it is all about this competition and status and i'm better and i'm this and i'm that and it's just you're listening to it, and you observe and i'm observing that energy yeah, and it's literally like uh, <laughs> and and that's honestly that's what it feels like when you're around it. you're like oh my god i just like and you and you even before those people open their mouth you walk into the room and you feel this like suffocating energy mm. and it mm. makes me Recoil and suppress myself to a degree when I'm around it. So I you mean, know, I'm navigating all that. How do you survive in there? How do you? How do you? How do you like it, it's like well, going I mean, in Chernobyl. and expecting not to have a third
1: eye grow out of you forehead.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you control <laughs> you control who you spend your time with, and I just avoid you know as much as I can control anyway spending time around that. But I have been exposed to that here. Uh, uh, but you know it's it's interesting to observe because you just see it on such an extreme level and you know it's, it 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 opens your eyes to how many people and you know not and not willing to you know talk about anything else or change or you could say this stuff to them and they might you know pretend to acknowledge it but you can tell them it's like anything it's not judging it's like everyone's on a different path and uh, but, yeah, anyway, I don't know. It's but but even,
1: even just even just walking down the street, you know, you, on a metaphysical level, all this energy is getting put out by every individual. So um, you're mindful of who you're spending your time with, but even just going to the shop to get some milk, you know, you're still going to bump into all this energy. So I mean if I was in that space being an empath, I'd be fucked. I'd have to I'd I'd be wearing a, a, a ah, suit of mama just Kevlar yeah, suit totally.
0: you'd need a lot That's of time alone afterwards, wouldn't you? You'd need even more time to recharge.
2: Yeah, look at yeah. um, no I agree with you and I'm 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 pretty pretty much an empath as well and uh um, i'm in new york for a pretty specific reason at the moment but i don't think i'll i mean who knows but i doubt i'll stay here long term because it, it is it's too much and i'm like well you know what like why why pay so much money to live like three times four times the amount you pay anywhere else for somewhere that i don't even enjoy the lifestyle that you can live here i want to i want to be in like I, I went to um uh when i launched the book i couldn't get back to australia and i was in oregon and vancouver for two months and the minute i got off the plane uh, I was, we drove and I was like hiking a mountain and my mind opened up and I was creative and myself again, and I was happy and I just felt amazing. And I was gone for two months. I was like, this, I feel so good. And then the moment I got back to New York, literally within a few hours, I was like, just mm. things mm. getting thrown at you and it's a crazy place. So it's like, uh, yeah, not not good for your mental health if you're, if you're that kind of person. But it's kind of funny <laughs> as I well, was
0: speaking about the, you know, nervous system adapting and you'll find a lot of people who grew up in New York. They, they love it, and it's like you take them to somewhere quiet, and they're like, "I don't like this. I need more oh. action." And so they go back to New York, and the nervous system goes, "Ah, oh, familiar. Okay, okay, good chaos." It
1: reminds me of the grandfather yeah, yeah. clocks house. It's the the grand. We're talking on another episode, Nick, about the grandfather clocks, and and over a period of time, all the clocks will will come in sync with the biggest clock, and so all these people in New York are walking around as grandfather clocks, and and whether you like it or not, you will end up sort of in sync on some energetic level with the majority
2: yeah no it's so true and and yeah what you said it it is it's like these two extremes where um and a lot of the people like one of my friends who moved here he's one of those people that is just going from thing to thing to thing and you talk to him and if you don't talk at a million miles an hour and say what you need to say in the first three or four seconds his eyes are glazing over you're losing his attention he's on to the next thing you go out for a drink (laughs) you, you go out for a drink with him What's next? Where are we going next? What are we doing? Uh, and I'm like, whoa, I'm like, I feel I actually feel nauseous after about 30 seconds of it. Um, but he lo- they love it here because it's feeling that. So it's <laughs> just that, that, that just, reminds me, yeah. <laughs> that that reminded me of happening um, within me. when yeah, when I, I feel when tired I, thinking about this fucking stuff.
0: <laughs> when when I got off I got off meth because I was in that that scene as a meth addict. And then I I got clean and I went back because I wanted to rescue some friends, classic move. But I remember I went back and they were in a hotel room, you know, my ex-girlfriend, some other people. Classic house. And I'm just newly spiritually awakened, no drugs. And I walk in there. And I was there for like half an hour and like, it was like, th- th- like bugs just flying around everywhere. They're weighing up drugs. They're doing it. They're speaking hundred miles an hour going from room to room. I'm like, this was normal to me a few weeks ago. Now it's like, I feel, I feel like I'm watching something in like three times the speed and I got out of there and I'm like, i have got to get myself calmed down here. It's, uh, yeah. it's when, really when,
1: Nick, when Nick was, when Nick was talking about it, this really weird thing happened internally. And this part of me popped up and it's like, I want to go there and teach meditation. I want to go there and just sit in the street and start meditating with all these mats and have just invite people to just come and meditate and to be still for a while. My nickname's the Sultan of Still, Nick. If um, before, I and he's a turtle as well,
0: <laughs> so he's a slow, slow man in a good way. So
1: i, I, right. I just, just have a good way, p- yeah. picture of all these meditation mats just in the middle of the street in New York, and just come with everyone, just come and sit for five minutes because I've got when, when I work with a lot of. How many would everywhere.
0: sit? Come on, how many would actually sit? No, no,
1: fucker on <laughs> none. But I work with I work with high high performing businessmen a lot, and you know, companies everywhere. And and uh, something I something I get them to do is to spend the first fifteen minutes of every Monday morning at their desk doing nothing. And it short circuits them. They're like, "What do you mean?" And I so said, "Just go and sit and do nothing for fifteen minutes." Oh, but the emails and phones and uh, money, money, money. And anyway, those that do it come back the next week and they're laughing and pissing themselves. And they're like, what's going on? They're like, that was the most productive 15 minutes I had all week. And I'm like, why? Well, because I just got to observe things. I got to observe this and that. I actually had a very productive day. I got home happier. I'm like, oh, how interesting. You're going to keep doing that? No, no, I'm too busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It felt good. Yeah, it worked, but I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) yeah. Um, I can't help you much further than that.
0: Oh, uh, funny. Yeah. Nick, Nick it, t- t- tell we've only really got so 15 minutes left, mate. I want to hear about the book, Move Your yep. Mind. Before we jump into the, the, you know, who it's for and what's in it, I'd love to get your experience
2: of bringing a book to life and what that was like. Yeah, um, it was a new experience for me. It was harder than I thought it would be. I mean, I knew it would be difficult, but it's a huge amount of work and um, it was a cathartic experience as well, but I was um, back in Australia after being in Vancouver at the beginning of the pandemic and signed the publishing deal pretty much as soon as I got back. And I was living at my mom and dad's place for 11 months and um, had this opportunity to write the book. And um, the timing was perfect because I didn't have much distraction, was able to really hyper-focus on it. So I I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I've told my story thousands of times now, uh, but writing it and having to really delve into certain things um, it was interesting how other things came up that I hadn't thought about. Uh, and, and, you know, the whole process, it, it was really enjoyable being able to go and go. I mean, I interview a lot of people on the podcast, but really go into detail, looking into certain aspects of different people's lives and, you know, sharing different stories. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was really a, a great way to really distill a lot of what I've been doing and thinking about and working on into, you know, because you have to continually refine and distill it. Um, into this book so it was a great experience and you know really rewarding and uh yeah something i'd recommend to anyone um in in this in this field and so did it
0: take like roughly that 11 months for it to be to be completed and refined and, and ready to go uh,
2: it took yeah so we when we signed the deal i had prob- we did it pretty quickly because they wanted it released sort of mid or, you know, when it was august this year um, so I had about seven months, I think it was to get the manuscript hundred percent done. And I had an editor Well, I asked him, I said, I'm, I'm not doing it unless you can provide an editor to work with me. Cause I don't know how to write a, I'll, I'll write the thing. I need guidance. I've never, I don't know how to do this. Um, so that was about six or seven months of really, you know, writing maybe five, six thousand words a week and you know, getting that to what we thought was a hundred percent. And then when we handed that to the publishing company, it was probably another, Three or four months, maybe a bit more, um, of back and forth, and them using their internal editors and refining and getting it all ready, and and then the whole process of you know launching and marketing it that I'm in the middle of now. So uh, it's a, yeah, it's it's such a process, and by the end of it, you're like I, you almost feel sick looking at it. You're like I don't want to <laughs> read this bloody thing ever again you start obsessing about oh what i wonder if that word if i just say it one bit differently like okay i've got to go this is yeah. fueling my ocd and going against the whole point of writing this thing i just want to never look at this again but um yeah it was, <laughs> that was that was the process
0: what do you reckon nico is this fueling your inspiration to write a book
2: it oh is. i knew it's i knew it's around it so. answer this
1: at some stage <laughs> move your mind it sounds like giving birth you're pregnant for nine months and then finally get it out of you on like, ah. um, what i imagine birth. it sounds that. like me, um, me
0: watching bloody blippy and the wiggles at the minute you watch it like a thousand times and you're like fuck watch this again <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: yeah, i I can, I can mention it because I, I i do have a book or i think probably multiple books within me now and um yeah I, i've we've just Yesterday, I learned that we're, we've acquired forty acres of hinterland up in Queensland. So I'm going to take about yeah three or four months off at some stage. Hopefully next year, if I can get another practitioner in to ease my workload and um, dedicate that to writing the book. But yeah, I'd be interested to, to talk more with you about it to, to learn the process because yeah, uh, just the immediate block comes up for me is like there's no framework for it. It's just like what do you put in there, and it, it's it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's such an unknown for me. I'm excited about it, but it just it's uh, yeah, taking that first step is is quite challenging.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and congratulations on on the the hinterland, mate. That's, that sounds exciting. The next um, oh, we're going op- the, the
0: opposite <laughs> to you. No one within forty kilometers perimeter. <laughs>
1: right, can, I, can I can I
2: please fly there? Like yeah. You know? like-
0: <laughs>
2: I, I
1: was just going to say, so we, we've got the place to run retreats and um, we're yeah. gonna do silent meditation retreats and yoga retreats and maybe we'll do a, a New York unwind retreat. Um, New York detox. Just, just for you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Totally. I think there'd be... <laughs> you got, you've got plenty- an
1: o- open in, open invite, mate. You're welcome whenever.
2: Yeah, no, plenty of people would need that, mate. I appreciate it. But but um, yeah, no, I think that's great with, you know, the book, happy to chat anytime. And it's something that, like you said, that was the main thing for me. I was like, well, I, I know what I want to put in this, but I don't know where to begin and how do I structure it and you're busy with other things in life. And I found that was the way, you know, to really have someone keeping you accountable and having that structure that no matter how busy you are, you've got to complete certain tasks every week. Uh, that's what kept me sort of on track to get the thing done. And because otherwise it's like, how long's a piece of string? When do I do it? You know, you mm. can spend five years writing and refining things and anything creative, it's like that, I guess, because you're just like... Where do you begin and end? How do you do it? Well, yeah,
1: Parkinson's law kicks in there. It's like if you don't, time will expand, work will expand as to – feel the amount of time allocated to it so if it's open-ended you're just never going to get it done but if you put a deadline on it then you're like all right right." you have to surrender at some stage like you 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 did you're like oh i've got to stop stop playing with the recipe exactly
2: exactly and it's good you know for like perfectionism can come in you know whereas i think it's really about just like Getting things done as well as you can in a time frame getting it out there learning from it doing it again you know keep doing it and otherwise you just get stuck in um what's what i find with a lot of the creative stuff i do and the acting stuff and all that kind of thing you can get so in your head about it so it's like just letting go of things and not really caring so much so true yeah. nick and, and
0: who, who is so the what's book in the book for? yeah who's the book for yeah, and, the book? and and how's it been received so far since the launch
2: um, so the book is I mean we've tried to really make it uh, as palatable as, as we as we can so it's for like anyone that wants to in a really simple way learn about mental health but have like some really practical tools in there that are simple not overwhelming you know the opposite of overwhelming you can sort of open it up to you know um, we've got it into four main pathways so you go into connect your mind and have some really simple stories in there that are, you know, you can learn from and, you know, enjoy reading the book from beginning to end because it's got the narrative of my story and other stories from people from celebrities to grassroots stories and everything in between. And then having really practical things of here's how you can learn more about this area. Here's what you can do in a simple way. And we've got guides in, you know, how you can actually put it into practice. So, I mean, it's really targeted at anyone um, that's just wanting to make, that first step and 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 uh take ownership of their own well-being uh but doesn't know where to begin so if you pick it up this will be a good starting point of getting you on that track before you sort of go you know deeper into it wonderful
0: resource wonderful resource i love it and and where You've also got the podcast, which is Move Your Mind. Also, I hear you've had some incredible guests that you've interviewed the last few weeks. Um, we won't, you know, give out who. But for
1: for those listening at home, Ryan was a recent guest on there. And so he's blowing, he's blowing his own trumpet as hard as
0: he can as usual. So someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Um, Someone's got to do that. True. A wonderful resource, though, because I think a lot of people right now are (laughs) not the podcast, the book I'm talking about. Um, The the wonderful resource, because a lot of people now we've got all this awareness, you know, now and you know the last couple of years, so many more high profile people, sports people, like mental health, you know, we have got a lot of men, especially like, okay, I've got it now, you know where you know, Nick always says we've got physical health. I've got health. mental health. <laughs> yeah, well, we was talking <laughs> about Nick's like, if we've got a body, we've got physical health. If we've got a mind, we've got mental health. And a lot of people are realizing, hey, I've got mental health and I need to look after it, but where do I start? And so I think these first steps, like a book like yours, that can be gone through, enjoyed, practical steps are wonderful. Because a lot of especially guys are not quite open early on to go, oh, well, I'm going to go speak to a psychologist or a therapist or someone about that. So I think these books are really important.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. It's like it's sort of, you know, like you said, there's so much awareness, which is great, but it's what are practical things we can do. And because there's so much noise out there and information, a lot of people get overwhelmed just by that of, okay, but what do I do? Where do I begin? What, you know, I know what I should do, but how do I do stuff that's applicable to my daily life? Because I've only got so much time and energy or whatever it is. So I think making it as simple as possible for a starting point is really, really important.
1: Praise be. I, I, I came into this space uh, many moons ago, and if I hear one more person out there, one more advocate out there, just reeling off the suicide stats or anything or creating more awareness or anything, I'm I'm, I'm going to start regressing if I don't work really hard. So it's, it's to, to hear that there's more people out there actually going, you know, less awareness, more education, more tools, more resources, more how-to, not, oh, th- there it is. So thank yeah. you, Nick. Thank you.
2: Where can people get oh, the book Thank you. So the book is available uh, on Amazon and Booktopia and other online sites. Uh, and it's in stores in Australia. It's in a bunch of stores, but uh, I guess most people can't physically get in there to buy it in the store right now, hopefully soon. Um, so that's been, you know, one interesting thing we've had to sort of deal with launching it, but it's available um, in Australia and overseas now, mainly on Amazon and Booktopia and, Uh, You can go to my website as well, nickbrax.com, and it'll come up with all the links. And if you go to nickbrax.com slash moveyourmind, we've got free resources there, a free PDF with a whole bunch of tools that comes with the book that anyone can download. So, you know, that's probably the easiest place to go to just learn about it and find all all the information.
0: Awesome, mate. Well, we know we, you have to jump off in a minute. So before you do, just a big thank you for coming on today. And we encourage everyone listening to go out and get the book, listen to the podcast, get in touch with your work on the website. Um, is there any final words um, for anyone out there listening to them, you know, someone who may be struggling or wanting to look at their mental health? Is there anything that you can share based on your experience?
2: I mean, I'd just say, you know, like the stuff that we've talked about and for anyone that is is struggling reminding yourself, it's okay. It's actually, you know, like you said before, if you're a human, male or female, uh, you're going to have issues with your physical health. You're going to have issues with your mental health. That's actually, I've never heard or met anyone that hasn't. Uh, it's part of life. Um, accepting that and just not, not having to find the perfect answer, more just if you feel like something's off just do something. You know, the one thing I always say that you shouldn't do is nothing. So just do anything, you know, take that first step. That's always the hardest. And that normally it gets easier from there. So, you know, taking that step and letting the rest unfold. Yeah. Cause doing nothing, still doing something, isn't it?
0: That is. Yeah. There you go. Awesome, mate. All right, Nick, absolute pleasure talking, mate. Looking forward to speaking to you again soon. Congratulations on the book. Um, I hope you start to say no to a bunch of things at the minute so you can look after your own energy because we need people like you in the world doing the work that you do. We'll see you in Agnes. Appreciate it. Soon, mate. <laughs> Reserve a spot. Absolutely. Reserve a spot Absolutely.
2: for you. <laughs> keep, keep that spot, mate. I'm, I need it. I need it. I'll be on a plane as soon as I can. <laughs> but thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> no worries, Nick. See you, nice see you mate. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.